I've never destroyed any souls, and I don't intend to. Listen, we're going to do this. Shut up. What a great pickup line. Yelling at pigeons. <laughs> Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's for the high jump. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I don't want you bandying that story about. We've been saying it literally every episode <laughs> for a really long time. Yeah, but we haven't been bandying it about. I don't know what you think putting this <laughs> podcast out in the world is. It's pretty bandy Yeah, I to guess me. so. <laughs> Welcome back, cousins. It is now time uh, for even yet still more Mr. Selfridge. That's correct. It just keeps going. <laughs> Not for too much longer. Yeah, that's true. This is episode eight? Yeah, yeah. eight of ten. So. Great. So uh, just two more. That's right. Get your pivot on, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, while the sun shines. Um we do have two new countries Ooh. getting their pivot on. They are Djibouti and Senegal. Djibouti. <laughs> that is a place that exists. It is. Uh, so to both of them, I say bonjour. And I know that you have new languages now that you're not French colonies anymore, but I already know how to say bonjour, so I didn't look it up. This has been pretty insulting. <laughs> yeah, I know it has. I'm sorry. Next up, we have our cousin of the week. This week, it is Cousin Jonathan who writes, My dear cousins Kelly and Tom, I'm writing this e-letter to tell you that after resisting the apparent charms of nailing it Piven, I finally gave in to curiosity and allowed myself to be swayed by your mostly rave reviews, cheap-ass dream sequences and flashbacks notwithstanding, and decided to take a stab at Mr. Selfridge. And you guys, I love it. After a slow start in the first couple of episodes, I found myself swept up with the myriad stories and costume pieces, constantly craving more. Additionally, I felt the only way to fully enjoy the experience was to go back and re-listen to your episodes on the first season, laughing along because this time I got it, guys. I got it. <laughs> also, it allowed me to revisit my all-time favorite Kelly soundbite. Seriously, fuck you, Sadie and the Hotheads. <laughs> <laughs> but there was something that struck me from the very beginning, which Kelly briefly touched on in an episode, that seemed to announce itself over and over again. If you cock your head to one side and squint just... So, there are numerous elements of Mr. Selfridge that smack of Mad Men. They're listed below in no particular order. Agnes Towler's The West End's Peggy Olson. In the very first scene, Agnes is set up as the female counterpart to Harry Selfridge, a lower-class humblebody with a natural eye for fashion and presentation, who doesn't realize her full potential and beauty until she lets her hair down and wears a pink scarf. She's all that style. <laughs> <laughs> Even more than Harry, Agnes is the character, I feel at least, the series is set up as being the one to invest in the most. And as Peggy came back from season two of Mad Men, fresh from a fat farm, Agnes returned fresh from France, unquestionably Europe's fat farm. <laughs> Rose and Betty, yin and yang. While Betty may lack the mothering skills, mobility, and general pleasantness that Rose has in spades, both are women who are mostly stuck at home with their children while their husbands give their dicks away all across the land. <laughs> Further, Rose had a brief dalliance with fake Gyllenhaal, and Betty had a sex dream about that air conditioner salesman that one time. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah, probably. Shitty, unnecessary flashbacks and dream sequences. At least Mad Men never put John Hamm in a bed to flail about like a dying trout. Though I'm sure he too would have nailed it. Harry had Blankensop. Don had Blankenship. Man, do I miss Blankensop and really hope she didn't also end up under a caftan. <laughs> Both series end their first season with their main protagonist's family leaving home for an indeterminate amount of time with the wives returning in season two in uncertain standing, and I believe both in blue. Spooky. 
Replaceable children, inter-workplace boning, costumes, 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 bitchy redheads, or I mean a redhead who... Oh, kitty. (laughs) The list really goes on, but I wouldn't want to alienate those cousins who don't watch Mad Men or spoil those who do and haven't caught up. Either way, as delightfully infuriating and infuriatingly delightful as Mr. Selfridge can be, it strikes me as simply a more palatable Mad Men or Mad Men for pussies. And you know what? That's just swell. (laughs) This is already a long email, so I'll wrap it up. Oh, and I know you said you're not covering anything beyond where Downton Abbey ends, but I would encourage you, even if for yourselves, check out the novel or the film based on The Remains of the Day. True, it's set in the 1950s English countryside, but it's from the point of view of a butler and is delightful, sad, and any other number of descriptors. Take a look. Thanks for all the embarrassing laughter you provide me on public transportation. Sincerely, Cousin Jonathan. P.S. Kelly, never, ever, ever stop with the Daria references. Ever. All right. Done and won't. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Thank you, Cousin Jonathan. That was a delightful telegram. It was. It was indeed. And it's funny because we've never watched like the first two or three seasons of Batman. No, I think it's pretty much been like the end of the third season through current. And we have never felt the need to go back. (laughs) And listen, we know. (laughs) We've heard all of the arguments. But uh, I do like it. He's like, oh, you know, even if just for yourselves, watch Remains of the Day. I'm like, we don't. Our lives are not our own. It's true. Our lives belong to this podcast now. Although I've been meaning to watch that movie literally for years. I know. Ever since I saw the Remains of the Day lunchboxes in <laughs> the end of Waiting for Guffman. Cousins, if you would like to throw your hat in the ring to become our Cousin of the Week, you can contact us a number of ways. You can email us or send a telegram to upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. You can send a carrier pigeon or tweet. We are at 5 Maggie Smiths. That's at 5, the number 5 Maggie Smiths. Or you can just search Up Yours Downstairs exclamation point on Facebook and send us a message there. So now. Yes. It is time. To talk about Mr. Selfridge. That's right. And not in a madman context. <laughs> yeah. Just on his own merits. Yep. Which are We've been tell we've been talking some shit people. <laughs> like we've been telling people the show's better than Downton Abbey. Right. I we, mean we have been. We suspect a lot of you have different opinions. And like I don't know. I'm way more emotionally invested in these people. I Despite am- Jeremy, P- like this is all like this show had this tremendous handicap <laughs> from the beginning. Yeah, and we're still kind of like these stories are more interesting to us. That's that's where we're at. Well, you know, we'll see how this season plays out as well. Like, true, because there have been some, you know, certainly questionable things in both seasons. But oh, uh, yeah, we'll- you know, Ellen Love asterisk 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 <laughs> i don't know what the asterisks mean but it seemed appropriate uh cocaine <gasps> right <laughs> is that what the kids are calling it now yeah asterisk <laughs> everything all is new again <laughs> it's not come on over we're gonna get we're gonna bump some asterisks <laughs> uh-huh. i mean it's more economical than lines <laughs> no, that's true you know, or probably healthier, you know, just little... Yeah, just a little asterisk. Yeah. Listen, if you do cocaine, this is our public <laughs> service announcement. Instead of doing lines, just do an asterisk. Moderation, people. Yeah. Len Bias, or whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah. That's a guy. Yeah, he died. If only he had done an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like the commercials. It's like a sad person with a picture of somebody. Like, if only they'd done an asterisk. Harm reduction. It's a thing. 
Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, Mr. Selfridge. Yeah. Speaking of harm reduction. <laughs> so, Harry pulls up to his house, which is uh, surrounded by reporters. As usual. <laughs> right. He is, of course, confused by their mobbing him and says that he'll answer all their questions in due course. Uh, Fraser slams the door in their face and heartfeltly, heartfelt, heartily, heartily. I don't know. All I can say is Fraser has more facial expression in this episode than he has on the whole series. Yes. He welcomes Harry back. Fraser's really like into his job this episode. (laughs) He is. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to be the best Fraser I can be. Niles! <laughs> uh, and Rose and New Gordon run down to greet Harry. Harry asks what everybody's talking about, because apparently Big Bill Summertime's vaunted resources don't extend to reading the newspaper. <laughs> uh, and everybody's like, oh, we sort of hoped you'd have found out by now. Over at Martle House, Miss Martle greets Agnes in the morning and says that Fat Thomas is there to walk her to work, although she presumably calls him by his Christian name. <laughs> uh, she asks how she slept last night, and Agnes says, better, and heads out. Florian comes out and asks what's going on uh, as the audience proxy. Yes. Uh, because as we recall, our last shot in the previous episode was a lingering close-up of George Towler's horrible Olin Mills portrait. <laughs> right. Anyway, that telegram that Agnes received said that George is missing and they haven't heard anything in the week since in case anybody's keeping track of what day it is. Yeah, so it's not clear what Florian knew in the past week or didn't know. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Agnes is, you know, reasonably concerned that George might be killed. And Florian says, you know, yeah, it's a war. (laughs) Miss Martle says that the army would know. One way or the other. But Florian correctly points out that war is chaotic. Yeah. Florian's like, oh, you poor, sad simpleton. Yeah. Florian says, though, that Agnes may be right to believe that George is alive. He believes in these feelings. Yes. Uh, These are not the only feelings that Florian believes in. (laughs) Wink. Miss Myrtle realizes that he's not talking about Agnes, and he says that he has finally come to accept that his family is dead since meeting Miss (laughs) Myrtle. Right. Uh, Which, oh, I've got a book about codependency for you two. (laughs) Yeah. Also, what a great pickup line. (laughs) Ever since I met you, I've known my family is dead. (laughs) Well, but it's weird, though, that he says that, because, like, the context is, like, is he saying that he believes in these feelings? that... Agnes believes that George is alive, and he's saying that he thinks that her belief that George is alive is valid in the same way as his equally unfounded belief that his family is dead. See, I thought he was saying that he thought he had some sort of deep mystical connection, but then this part of it puts the lie to that. So I'm glad we've all talked through my egregious (laughs) misinterpretation of Florian. Me too. At any rate... Miss Myrtle says that uh, he mustn't talk like that. Yeah, save that for the elevator. He never uses the elevator. <laughs> well, that house may well have an elevator. It's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah, it is. Florian correctly, you know, interprets this as, you know, an opening. Right. So he says there's nothing wrong with how he feels about her, and then he heads out to do whatever it is that he does all day. Right. Yeah. Just refugee stuff. Yeah, you know, just sit. I imagine like sitting around, like playing games of checkers, and then like throwing the board in a grief-stricken rage. You know, yeah. yelling at pigeons. <laughs> yeah, 
No, that all that all sounds like <laughs> solid refugee activities. Cousins. <laughs> Are you a refugee? Has anyone you know ever been a refugee? Did they play checkers? If so, we want to hear your story. <laughs> we actually would like to hear about refugees. Well, if sure. you or somebody you know have been one in the modern era. Yeah. Or even one of the fugies. <laughs> Wyclef Jean is a huge fan of this podcast. I don't know if you guys are aware, but... Well, he should be. He should be, much as we are a fan of his collaboration with Shakira about (laughs) truthful hits. (laughs) Uh, Harry sits on his bed reading the paper. Finally! Yeah. Uh, And he's, you know, upset. And as he opens his suitcase, he does... We get a flashback. Oh, boy. You know, it's funny that that letter came in this week. Oh, I know. The first episode that we've had a flashback (laughs) in this entire season. Yeah. Although this is more of a contemporary flashback. True, true. But he uh, flashbacks, flashes back to uh, Germans going through his things and speaking to him in German. Not clear that he actually understands German. Yeah, and they're not subtitling it. Right. Here's what I think. Uh, Schnell, schnell, bitte. You are from the entourage. Yes. Was that French? What am I doing? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. You are from the entourage. There you go. Yes. Uh, tell us. Tell us. What has happened to the turtle? <laughs> what is the turtle and his shoe company or the vodka? What did, uh, what happened with all of that? Also, can you do the, can you do the Lloyd? <laughs> ah, the Kaiser. He loves this. <laughs> Actually, in the German edition, his name was Dieter. <laughs> <laughs> Dieter! <laughs> Oh, yeah, we lost the data. <laughs> uh, so Rose snaps him out of the flashback and asks why he didn't tell her about this whole spying thing. And also says that Delphine told her about Big Bill Summertime, but did not try to contact him at all. Subtext being, why did this bitch know you were in Germany? And I did not know. This is seems wrong. Right. Harry is like, don't blame Delphine. I knew she told me all about him. I went in with open eyes. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. And Rose is like, that's not even what I'm blaming Delphine for. (laughs) But anyway, then he flashes back again. The Germans ask him for his papers in English. Yeah. They're really acting like World War II era Jerry's. (laughs) Yeah. They're very, it's very, you know, the end of cabaret, (laughs) which ordinarily I'm up for. (laughs) So in the present, again, he sits down and Rose and Harry embrace. And Harry says he should have told her where he was going. From now on, no secrets. Uh, well, then I hope you're not going to continue in intelligence work. <laughs> Although clearly, yeah, he's that was not a high priority for Big Bill Summertime. <laughs> yeah, well, he also, he also seems to be rather soured on the intelligence game at this point. Uh, so. Yeah, it didn't look fun at all. Yeah, or intelligent. <laughs> On the main floor at Selfridges, two randos are gossiping about what Irene did the other day. Oh, Irene. Like, come on. Give us some gossip that we care about. (laughs) Uh, Keebler comes over and scolds them that a lack of customers is not an excuse for idle chit-chat. Which, P.S., everyone who's ever worked in retail (laughs) will tell you that anytime there's nobody in the store, that is the perfect time for idle chit-chat. Yeah. Well, Keebler just doesn't have any friends in the store. That's true. He can't even idle chit-chat if he wants to. Yeah. What's he going to do, talk to his bow tie or his magical stump filled with fudge? (laughs) Or the mannequins. (laughs) Ooh, that's like this one episode of The Twilight Zone. (laughs) Or the first episode of the new Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. 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 
weirdly, the mannequins in the Twilight Zone were less murderous. <laughs> Actually, there wasn't a lot of murdering on the Twilight Zone. It was always more about an existential crisis. Yeah, that's true. Which is what these mannequins were having. Yeah. Because, like, one of them would get to turn into a human and, like, go out and, like, do human stuff. And uh, then they had to, like, come back and be a mannequin again. Oh, yeah. Right? Which seems like kind of, like, if you can do that, like, how come only one of you can go at a time? This seems like a bummer. Yeah. Like, you should really get a better mannequin union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> International Brotherhood of Magical Mannequins. (laughs) Uh, Harry and New Gordon make their way through the protesters that have been outside of Selfridges all week, apparently. According to New Gordon, at any rate. Inside, Kitty says that she doesn't believe a word of it. Uh, And, oh, and she says that she doesn't believe a word of it because she's heard from Mr. Edwards that it's not true. But Conehead whispers to Fake Doris that if Harry finds out that Kitty's been seeing Mustache, she's for the high jump. And then Fake Doris rolls her eyes and walks away. And it's like two seconds of Are You Being Served? No, she makes this weird, like, puckered up face. It's really bizarre. Yeah, no, it was uh, like, I really... No, the the audio that got cut from this scene was Fake Doris going, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, like Mr. Humphreys. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Or the low push. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I never watched Are You Being Served, and what you just did made me so happy that I never did. <laughs> well, I mean, that was pretty much the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that lady have a wig? Yeah. Like a yeah, colored wig? Yeah, a lot of different colors. Yeah. That was another thing in the show. Okay, great. <laughs> anyway, Martle greets Harry, and Crab comes out of the elevator and is surprised to see Harry, as is the elevator girl, which mm-hmm. was a little thing I liked in the background. Oh, uh, I like the elevator girls. Yeah. At the Hotel for Disobedient Wives, uh, Pimble brings in May's breakfast and says that May's bank account has been closed. May says uh, it's time to sell her jewels. I really like the way that she says jewels. Uh, she makes a meal of it. Yeah. Pimble warns that Loxley will be looking for her, but May resignedly says that she can't hide forever. She could try. It's true. I really don't think... You know, she's she's counting on her own resourcefulness enough. Well, as we've learned in this episode, uh, you know, Valerie tried hiding forever, and that didn't work. That's so. true. Uh, in Harry's office, Crabbe describes the uh, whole fiasco that's been going on, including a rumor that he was in Germany, which Harry confirms that he was. Uh, he says that it was government work. Uh, they weren't, it wasn't supposed to get out. It was handled badly. He shouldn't have gone. But Crab says that if it was for the war effort, he should have, and Crab is proud of him. Harry says that he shouldn't be because the sword depends on his reputation and he risked everything. Man, we could all use a crab in our lives. We could. At Selfridge House, Delphine and Rose walk and talk. Delphine asks how Harry is in a pretty carefree manner. Yeah, she's very like... She seems extremely unconcerned about the fact that, like, the store is in a shambles. Right. Uh, is he upset about his entire life work being destroyed at all? <laughs> just just making chit-chat yeah. here. Anyway, she says that Big Bill Summertime wouldn't talk to her. Rose responds through clenched teeth as they sit down, and Delphine uh, breezily says it'll blow over. Rose correctly points out that Harry does not trade on notoriety like Delphine does. Yeah. Delphine then says that they must bolster him up. And Rose is like, okay, wait, what? Don't we need to get customers into the store? <laughs> Do you understand how business works? Uh, yes, you seduce a man and get him to send you a bunch of free wine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, 
Delphine says that she wants to introduce Harry to some conjurers who generate stardust. Rose is hesitant, like, is this some bullshit, like, Neil Gaiman book for adults that will make you seriously reevaluate all of the work he did in graphic novels? Like, what is this? Yeah. Uh, Delphine's like, listen, we're gonna do this. Shut up. Uh, so I guess that's happening. Wow. Harry's in his office, brooding, uh, when the Plunkett shows in Big Bill's summertime. Then cut to the palm court where Igor is serving them tea, and it's like, why not have this meeting about secret intelligence work in Harry's office rather than this public location? I mean, I know they're off in a corner. I mean, again, I don't think that this is actually the intelligence department. <laughs> I think this is some, like, fake... Lucius Fox-esque <laughs> operation in the basement of London run by a madman <laughs> who's like, oh, no, this is all for the war effort. But, like, it's not. Right. So Harry tells Big Bill Summertime that one of the manufacturers he went to meet is pissed at the Kaiser because his factories were all requisitioned. And so he's willing to gather information for the British and is just waiting to hear from them. Summertime is just, like, cool and gets up and leaves. Like, he hasn't even- yeah, he barely touched his tea. Yeah. Like, Igor went to all that trouble <laughs> of not shirking his duties to pour it for right. you. That's the only thing he's done all day. <laughs> the only thing he will do all day. Uh, but Harry is like, uh, what the fuck, dude? We had a deal and you screwed up. And Summertime's like, oh, yeah. Boy, the press, huh? Anyway, bye. No, he says the the British press are a canny bunch. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't your job to out-canny them? <laughs> right. With force, if necessary? Unlike British intelligence. <laughs> oh, man, what a bunch of lunkheads. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then Harry also complains that they questioned him very, like, severely in Germany, which that part, I'm like, that's a little weak. Harry, like, you were there as a spy. Uh, and it was Germany. Right. They question everyone severely. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, we as understand you have come here to look at the artworks, <laughs> but also uh, we is going to hold on to your baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is surprising. Well, it's Germany. <laughs> Land of surprises. <laughs> Uh, Harry also complains about uh, Bootgate, mainly. That's what he's very upset about. Uh, And he asks Summertime to find out what is behind all this. Summertimes are asking me to investigate the procurement committee. And Harry's like, "Uh, yeah, dude, it was definitely Lord Loxley. And and Big Bill Summertimes, uh, that's outside my remit. I can't do that. So what a dick. Emmett Remus it is. (laughs) Anthony Kiedis... You're getting five cents every time we say it's he's not. He's no. Buy a shirt. <laughs> Harry, Grove, and Crab walk down the stairs past the watchful eyes of the bust <laughs> to address the staff. <laughs> Fun fact, that bust has actually been crying for the last week. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> the artful porter with her lower class insouciance interrupts to ask if it's true. Harry says it is a pack of lies and written by a journalist who used to be welcome in that store. Miss Martle asks Kitty if she knew about it. And Kitty says, no, I swear I didn't. If I did, I would have tried to stop it. And I'm like, nobody said it's not your job to police the press, even though everybody keeps acting like it is. Yeah, everybody thinks it is. 
Which, like, she wasn't even having sex with him. Get off of your high horse. Agreed. Anyway, Harry reads all of them a letter that he is sending to the newspaper and tells them that he will get to the bottom of this. He owes it to the boys to clear all this up and to take care of the families that they've left behind. And also the families of those who don't come home again. They will not be forgotten, which I hope he is referring to, like, you know, remunerations of some kind <laughs> and not just like a card. Right. Uh, I've got no. a flash card. I'm going to memorize all their families. Yeah, the text of the letter is basically... I did not have sexual relations with those boots. <laughs> yeah. It was nice to get an artful porter cameo. Oh, we were missing her, man. <laughs> yeah. We were upset. We were like, where is she? Oh, is it you? Why are you? Why do I hold you? Plunk it. I have no idea what this woman is saying. <laughs> Grove walks into Harry's office with a stack of envelopes, and they are pre-addressed to the next of kin of 22 Selfridge employees who have died in battle, which is a lot. That is a lot. Like, how many went? I don't know. I, All those ones from that battalion or whatever. I know. Did they, I mean, it only seemed like 60, but, you know. Well, look, dude, they were the first to sign up. Yeah. They were like, oh, Bally, Bally good, more cannon fodder, boys. <laughs> Listen, we don't have any guns or boots yet, but do your best. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Harry starts writing letters to the families, and we get a crossfade to the evening. He is still working on those letters. Agnes comes in, and Harry says that he is sorry to hear about George, and Agnes says well, he's not dead, and Harry's like, okay, fine. Yeah, like, I think you protest a bit too much, Mrs. Teller. <laughs> right. Harry says that she is working late, and she says, yeah, that there's a lot of work with LeClaire gone. Harry's like, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot there's something even more bizarre than my plot line going on <laughs> in this store. Uh, and Agnes says that they are holding LeClaire at the American Embassy and asks if Harry can call them. And Harry says that LeClaire is not high on his list of priorities right now. Because he was being investigated by the American authorities and never bothered to tell Harry about it. Mm-hmm. But Agnes suggests that if she could just get a hold of that woman that she knows is at the heart of all this, then that she could clear everything up. But she doesn't know how to find her. And Harry says that he knows someone who might know how and who owes him a favor and is also, it turns out, kind of evil. So... <laughs> I, yeah, and I mean, if you look at the season from the right angle, it's a horror movie starring Valerie. <laughs> I would watch that horror movie. Yeah. At Delphine's, Selfridge calls out to the mysterious guy, whose name is apparently Jim. Right. Uh, that's original. <laughs> and Harry yeah. asks him, sorry. Jim comes over and Harry asks if Emmett is there, and he is there just hanging out in a shady nightclub with two beautiful women half his age, like any government servant. Right. Uh, that's what they do. Right. That's your taxpayer dollars at work. Mm-hmm. Straight pimping. Harry pulls him aside and is like, listen up, Emmett. Here's this lady. Find her, because you owe me. And Big, Big Bill Emmett... <laughs> uh, this is going to be a difficult transition. No, you're right. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. God, let me get back to like finger banging these ladies. <laughs> In Harry's office, Harry tells Crab that Frank Edwards' newspaper, which those of us who watch this show three times a week know is actually the Daily Express. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't know that yeah. because I only watch it twice a week. Exactly. Uh, that they haven't printed his letter. 
Crab says, maybe they will in the evening edition. And Harry's like, they better. Uh, Crab says that the Times has written about them positively. And Harry says that's because he called their editor last night. And he is honorable, but the rest of them aren't. I don't really think the Times' editor is honorable either. Also, did you try calling the other editors? <laughs> right. If you only called the one, <laughs> then that don't ask, don't get, Harry. Right. And if honorable means slanting your news coverage to favor your rich friends that call you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Waka waka. <laughs> Gringot is walking some freelancer out of his office <laughs> and then Mustache asks for a word. And he says he doesn't think the Selfridge story smells right. Gringot disagrees. Mustache says that they should at least print his letter. But Gringot says it would be unpatriotic. And that in war, truth isn't everything. And like... Okay, but this is about some boots. Yeah. You know what the truth is. Well, I mean, they, I mean, even if he doesn't know what the truth is and he doesn't particularly care, that's fine. But, like, why not get out ahead of the story again and beat everybody to, like, if you're gonna, implicating the procurement committee seems like even a bigger story. Yeah. So. Also, like, you know the news keeps going, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You don't just have a story. Because that's just being the mustache. He's like, oh, you know, your column went off well, and you've done well off of it. I'm like, how? Isn't he just under contract at this newspaper still? If by done well out of it, you mean went another week without getting fired, then I suppose so. Which uh, he does immediately invoke (laughs) when mustache tries to push back. He threatens to take away his column, which maybe he should since sometimes he writes stories about a procurement committee scandal, and other times he writes about chasing random ginger tail like <laughs> right. i don't understand what his column is and then, uh, and then he talks about lady diana manners and it's like what what are, what are you what is the what is the title of your column yeah random shit by frank edwards bits and bobs by frank edwards <laughs> <clears throat> at selfridges fake doris looks at the clock and yawns martel scolds her but then stifles the yawn herself kitty admires herself in a mirror, and then asks Conehead to rearrange some bottles of scent. She is in a great mood. In theory, I don't think that Kitty ever sleeps. I think (laughs) she is, in fact, a living doll who lays down for eight hours a night with that smirk on her face, just eyes (laughs) wide open, which could be its own Twilight Zone episode. It could. Just every couple of hours, she just laughs to herself. (laughs) (laughs) neighbor hitting on the wall us real people are trying to sleep in here (laughs) Uh, Conehead is uh, seems you know less excited to be working at a store with no customers than Kitty is apparently yeah Kitty's having a great time (laughs) yeah Uh, so Kitty asks why she's so down and Conehead's Conehead says she was hoping that Harry's letter would be in the paper today so that she could show it to her father, who has been pushing her to leave Selfridges. Her dad needs to step off. Well. He's like, ugh, don't date a foreigner. Don't work at Selfridges. Like, what do you want her to do? Sit around all day and bother you? Apparently. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think think her father's making a mistake, but what are you going to do? Parents just don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. Right. Uh, their conversation is interrupted by a flood of enthusiastic people, mainly women, who are entering the store all a Twitter. Uh, we see them initially reflected in a mirror because, of course, we do. 
Delphine tells this crowd of women that this is the story she's been telling them about. This is Mr. Selfridge's. And then a whole bunch of flashbulbs go off, even though there are not apparently any cameras around. Maybe this is also a dream sequence. <laughs> it could be. I guess that's just that stardust she was talking about. <laughs> uh, and the head woman says, let's go shopping in this like baby That's not voice. how she says. She says, let's go shopping. Yeah. That's um, what she sounded like. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Oh, my God. She's like, I have an American accent and an American Express card. Let's go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, this baby voice thing. Which, I mean, I know was the fashion, but ugh. <laughs> uh, no, so- those were the fashion in the aughts. Uggs were. <laughs> uh, so Conehead and Kitty both recognize this person and are delighted to see her. In Harry's office, Crab hands Harry a list of customers who have closed their accounts, a.k.a. the bummer list. <laughs> Suddenly, the plunket bursts in, saying they wouldn't believe who's downstairs. <laughs> uh, downstairs, uh, this person, or possibly one of this person's posse. It is one of the posse. Okay. Uh, tells another posse member how soft some gloves are, and so they order them in all the colors. Their accents are stylized, like, you know, they're American accents, but they're so, like, You over know what the it top. is? It's that episode of Doctor Who that was, like, Daleks in Manhattan or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much everybody's accent in this episode. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, they sound like Morello, too, on Orange is the New Black. Yeah, they we were do. Discussing. Anyway, they also maybe are going to buy some hats. Uh, Gordon and Crab get off the elevator, and New Gordon is excitedly telling him that Mabel Normand is there. Uh, Mabel Normand, whose name I didn't actually recognize, but she was a big silent film icon, particularly in comedy. Uh, she once posed for Gibson, i.e. Gibson Girl. Uh, she was a frequent co-star with both Charlie Chaplin and Fatty Arbuckle, including co-writing and co-directing with Chaplin. Uh, she then got caught up in a uh, cocaine habit and murder scandal and died of tuberculosis 37. Should have done an asterisk. <laughs> she should have. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, anyway, she is there, and New Gordon reminds Harry that they saw her in a Chaplin movie. Uh, Mabel announces that she's- I just gotta have this darling parasol! Betty Boop thinks she sounds ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, some man tells Mabel to quit showing off, and they do a little bit together. Uh, yeah, he does that thing where, like, you claw up your hands as a man, and you're like, and I'm like, this is horrible. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, Tex Avery cartoons are, like, (laughs) deleting your number from their phones. Like, this is horrible. Yeah. (laughs) So Mabel winks at New Gordon, who's like, I'm gonna get her autograph. He is such a dweeb. (laughs) Like, I noticed it even, like, when he, like, hugs Harry when he came home. Like, he's so awkward. Yeah. And it's like, you're fucking Gordon Selfridge. Like, they probably already have 17 autographs to give you. Like... Yeah. Well, you know how it is when you age 15 years and five years. Like, it's just awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Plunkett also very determined to get Mabel Norman's autograph. Oh, yes. The Plunkett goes to the pictures, (laughs) y'all. Uh, so Delphine introduces Harry to the man who is Max Sennett, the famous Max Sennett of the Keystone Cops and so forth. Uh, he tells Harry that he has been an inspiration to him, and they bond over the fact that they're both entrepreneurs in kind of uh, frivolous industries. Yeah, it's been a while since they brought in some fun historical figures. It has, us. yeah. There's been a lot less of that this season. Yeah. And 
I'm, I enjoy the fun historical figures. I do too. It's more fun than like the palm court. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Delphine says that Mac is there to promote his movie. It's the first full-length comedy ever made. Uh, so that would be Tilly's Punctured Romance, which starred Charlie Chaplin, though not as his as the Tramp character, which he had only just developed like that year. Uh, and you sure don't meet many Tillies anymore, do you? Yeah, if you're looking for a very uh, original name yeah. for your offspring, maybe go with Tilly. Yeah. Hey, try Tilly. <laughs> this message brought to you by the Tilly Foundation. <laughs> uh, Delphine says they're having a screening party for Mabel at the club and invites Harry. He accepts. And then Mabel makes some kind of scene that Mac heads off to deal with. And Harry thanks Delphine for this stardust. Barf. <laughs> Barf dust. Wait, is Delphine a real person? Uh, We've never looked into this. I've always assumed not. I always have as well, but she might be. I don't that's know. A good question, actually. You'd think somebody would have written in by now. Yeah, that's this true. This is exactly the sort of thing people like to point out to us. That is true. And that we like to have pointed out to us. Indeed. In our laziness. <laughs> uh, May is back at the hotel for disobedient wives, counting her 10 pound notes and lamenting the loss of her jewels. Pimble comes in and has bad news. Lord Loxley is there. Yeah. Downstairs. And we cut to Lord Loxley doing his patented lizard sitting on a rock impression in the <laughs> lobby. He looks just like when Bob Odenkirk played Sulu the iguana. Yes. On Mr. Show. He does. You expect his tongue to flick out. Yeah. May comes along wearing a fabulous cardigan, mm. by the way. Like, when she told Pimple, like, you know, we take only what we brought. Like, they brought some amazing shit. <laughs> she, May says she's not coming back and she wants a div. And Lord Longsley says if May comes back, he'll go back to their old arrangement and he'll leave her alone. He's going back to the country. Uh, May asks if he'll be living on his dirty money. And he says he doesn't want that story bandied about. Uh, And that's why he's making the offer. And she says that she needs time to think. He says that he can't keep the gossips at bay forever. And then, like, kisses her hand, but it mostly looks like he's trying to eat her knuckle. Yeah. Uh, It's very creepy. Uh, Pimble, Pimble's up behind May and asks what he wanted. May says that he wanted her silence and that she needs to destroy him before he destroys her. So we've got mutually assured Loxley happening here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Pimble. She looks like Smeagol. She, <laughs> she is like a Dickens character. That's like true. A like, Dickens character who's only in one scene, though. You know, like she yeah. shouldn't be around as much as she is in this show. <laughs> Yeah, she does look... Like, she could totally be doing that. <laughs> she could be. <laughs> at breakfast at Martle House, Florian is applying for some non-violin-related job. Miss uh, Mar- <laughs> Martle's like, but the violin! <laughs> a la Strangers with Candy. There's yeah. a lot of comedy references happening today. You're Indeed. welcome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Martel is, is not happy about this. She's like, you know, I spent a lot of money on that violin. <laughs> uh, but Florian says that he can make these decisions for himself. Yeah, you're not my mom, even though you're old enough to be. <laughs> uh, so he heads out, and Agnes says that he had seemed to be cheering up, but is sad again, and she wonders if something happened. And Marl's like, oh, I'd be... You know how these Belgians are. I have no idea. Yeah, always throwing chocolate around and having (laughs) mood swings. Uh, So Agnes is 
getting ready to head out, she is going to the American embassy to leave a letter for Leclerc, which she unpromptedly says has nothing inappropriate in it. I think she and Miss Martle really need to go to like a 1970s women's consciousness raising <laughs> group. Like this is insane. Yeah. Like they need to calm down both of them. <laughs> yeah. And Martle's like, of course, he's your coworker. You, you know, treat him with a tender regard. I don't know what she says, <laughs> but yeah. And Agnes says that she can't think how he got in this mess. Martle suggests that he was looking for a woman and he perhaps allowed his emotions to overcome him. Which she says, like, it's like heroin addiction. The yeah. way that she talks about <laughs> letting your emotions overcome you, which it kind of is in yeah. her case. Yeah. But she's like, oh, I've seen it before. Not in myself. Oh, right. First you have emotions, then you steal a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> Just another weekend. <laughs> Uh, Agnes says something that I can't make out as she's getting up, and Martel asks if she's all right. And Agnes says, of course I am, but then she heads out without the letter. And Martel's like, hey, the letter, crazy. Yeah, it's, man, these two. <laughs> At the American Embassy, uh, Monsieur Leclerc, <gasps> he is so attractive, you guys. Oh, my God. He is just, ah. Uh, Oh, man, he is soul-destroyingly attractive. Just the fact that he exists, I am just, like, torn asunder internally. Sorry, yo. Oh, he's so... (laughs) I mean, like, no offense to you, babe. Like, you're cute or whatever. Look, I've never destroyed any souls, and I don't intend to. Like, I'm I'm, I'm at peace with that. From a long-term relationship, marriage-type standpoint, that's probably for the best, you know? Because, like, we got to go to work and stuff. <laughs> right. And, like, do this podcast. You can't do that if your soul's getting destroyed all the time. But, man, he's hot. <clears throat> Monsieur Leclerc is shown in <laughs> and introduced to Mr. Regan from the New York DA's office. Chunk, chunk. Uh... Who tells Monsieur Leclerc that money was embezzled from J. Walter Thompson while he worked there. And then you fled the country before we could even question, you see? I did all my accent work watching episodes of Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Monsieur Leclerc says that he panicked. He thought they were going to arrest him. And then Mr. Regan says it's because you're guilty. And we're going to take you to America and lock you up for a long time, see? Yeah. So, like, so why don't you just do that? then well uh, i don't think they have the uh, legal wherewithal to do so I guess not they're a lot of bluster <laughs> uh, at selfridge house new gordon is looking forward to the mabel Nor- norman party uh, harry invites rose to come and she says she's tired harry observes that the daily express still hasn't printed his letter so he's gonna have to get his lawyers on it even though it will take forever and really the damage is done already and it's really i mean it makes sense that's just sort of like laying the groundwork for future newspapers to try to get uppity. Like, yeah. listen, I will sue. Uh, Fraser announces the arrival of Lady May there to see Harry. Harry is not pleased by this, but he heads out to see her. In the front hall, May greets Harry and goes in for the standard kiss-kiss embrace, but is rejected for his pocket watch. Yes. Oh, uh, this scene is very uncomfortable. It is. May is trying to explain she had no choice but to vouch for Loxley, but between the two of them, they can prove his guilt. Uh, Harry asks why, and May uh, unfortunately can't just say marital rape. Right. But she says they're not getting on, which is British for that, I guess, <laughs> and that it would help her position to see him disgraced. This is where things really go off the rails, and I want to tie this back in with some other things that Harry said. Yeah. Uh 
but Harry is like, you know, you always do this. I'm nailing it, and you use a situation for your own gain. Like, you mean like everyone? Yeah, that's how that's how anybody gains anything is by using situations from and time to she's time. she's coming to you in like reasonably good faith like let's fucking burn this motherfucker right and nobody else anyway she says that it's complicated doesn't deny that she uses situations for her own gain also harry i just want to remind you that this woman using situations for her own gain is what got you into this position in the first like <laughs> right. you wouldn't have this store if it wasn't for her yeah so mm-hmm. pipe down <laughs> harry says he doesn't think that it's that complicated he thought they were friends there's no such thing as friends okay <laughs> i want to just disabuse everybody of this notion like there is but there's not right you know a very wise person that I had sex with one time said, <laughs> "Friends, friendships are for leaving. And I think it's true. Yeah. Like, you know, business partners, sexual partners, those are the bonds that stay. Yeah. Friendships, ah, you don't have to go to their birthday party. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> this message brought to you by the Friendship Council. I'm not saying don't have friends either. Right. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I do have them. I'm just saying, from a narrative perspective, right. get your shit together, eyeliner. Yeah. Anyway. Also recognize that your friends might, like, turn on you on behalf of their spouse or something. If yeah, it comes or, up, like, yeah, they have other agendas. Go- like, you're exactly. Not, yeah, that's really the point. Okay, friendship, great. But if you're friends with somebody, it's very rare that you're going to be their number one priority. Right. Unless neither one of you has a family. Right. In which case, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, May says that he needs her on this, that the procurement committee has questioned his integrity. Uh, and, you know, they're the most important people in the land. And in their minds, he just runs a store. And she tries to say, you know, I know things about Loxley. Right. She's just getting to the good part. I know. And he kicks her out. Yeah. It's like what – you know that they don't respect you. They said it's as much to your face. Like, when they wouldn't let you on the procurement committee. Right. So why leaving you, you to the capriciousness of Big Bill Summertime. So why get all offended by Lady May pointing out something that you already know? I I hate this scene. I do too. Well, and it's also like so like if you think about it too, like you go back to sort of when Agnes went in to see Mr. Selfridge about Monsieur Leclerc mm-hmm. and he was like, Oh well, he was being investigated by the American authorities and didn't tell me. Like you're <sighs> You also use every situation to your advantage. Yeah. Like, you can't lay that on her as if she's the only one that ever thought of it. Yeah. Like, you know, you are friends with Henri Leclerc when it suits you. Yeah. Like, you're super rich. I think you've used situations to your own advantage. I concur. Once or twice. And I hate this scene because I feel like they're writing Mr. Selfridge to be as stupid as Jeremy Piven. (laughs) This whole scene smacks of Piven. Yeah. It just, no. And I mean, it just feels like, why? As a savvy bit, like, look, he would, he could have said, hey, what's up? I'm really upset with you right now. Don't be here. Yeah. And just left it at that. But like. Yeah. No, they just. However, the, the actress who plays Lady May was nailing it to yeah. borrow a phrase <laughs> yeah she's like i'm nailing it <laughs> uh but she was so just her face yeah like being so crestfallen when he rejects her is amazing yeah yeah no i mean it's just you clearly they wrote this scene like to accomplish a specific purpose and they couldn't quite figure out how to make it work they're like listen this is the best we got yeah we're filming it Let's whatever go. yeah 
<laughs> like eyeliner's been writing on the walls with eyeliner all day. <laughs> He's out of his meds. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> A truck pulls up that just has eyeliner on the side. <laughs> What does he do with it all? <laughs> uh, out front of the American embassy, Agnes hands her letter to one of the soldiers, uh, I think is a Marine. I think Marines always guard embassies. Uh, and asks the soldier to give it to Monsieur Leclerc. And the soldier's like, oh yeah, sure. We get like 15 of these a day for that guy. He's so attractive. <laughs> He's the Rhett Butler of the West End. <laughs> Uh, so Leclerc reads it, and uh, it seems to make him pretty happy, although his face is covered in lens flares. Doesn't so. make him any less attractive, though. <laughs> although it's like a really short letter, considering what a boner he has for it. Like, if you can see what she wrote, it's all very like, Dear Henri, uh, just wanted to let you know that Mr. Selfridge might be doing something for you. Uh, we're all, we miss you at the store. Uh, don't give up hope. Yours, Agnes Tower. <laughs> I'm French. We are very free with our boners. <laughs> At Delphine's uh, that evening, presumably, yeah. New Gordon and Harry are discussing Max Sennett's bathing beauties yes. uh, who are around. <laughs> yeah. They are the ladies who were buying gloves in droves like they were going out of style. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry says he intends to enjoy himself because, you know, he's had a hard, you know, 72 hours. <laughs> I mean, he has. I know. Everybody watches some Mabel Norman comedy and is losing their minds laughing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, it looks fairly amusing, but comedy never ages well. Yeah. Like in, in 50 years, people will listen to this podcast and be like, why did anybody like that? <laughs> why did I download this? <laughs> uh, Mac and Delphine are both keeping their eyes on Harry. Uh, Delphine creepily does this. <laughs> yes. The film ends, everybody applauds, and Mabel takes a bow. Florian sits in the dining room reading a book about how to seduce older women. <laughs> uh, it's called There's Something About Martel. <laughs> uh, Martel comes in, asks if she can join him, and she says that she wants to explain, but Florian says that there's nothing to explain. He's very petulant. He is. Well, he's like 12, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Martel says that she has been running from her feelings. She had loved a man before who hurt her very badly and she didn't want to be hurt like that again. So, you know, suck it, Mr. Grove, once again. Uh, but Florian says that she, of all people, deserves to be loved and she kisses him. <gasps> OMG. Yeah. So Malorian is back on track. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Martel's getting that groove back. Mm-hmm. At Delphine's, uh, Mabel orders two Tom Collinses! <laughs> And then steps between New Gordon and some bathing beauties and asks, do you want to be a movie star? It's like, well, I was really hoping to kiss one of those two ladies, but all right. <laughs> uh, New Gordon just kind of splutters. Mabel says that she could make it happen because she directs her own movies, which is impressive despite her atrocious accent work. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, they're not that bad. It's just that the style is so bad. Yeah, it's our issues with like Jack Ross's singing voice. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. She gives New Gordon the drink, says to drink it, tells him it's a Tom Collins. 
says that it won't bite him, uh, and New Gordon takes a drink. However, uh, spoiler alert, drinks can bite you. They can. They can bite you. We have been bitten ourselves <laughs> this very morning. Yes. In case you hadn't noticed. Yeah, Tom, Tom got a little, uh, I- <laughs> Yes. Uh, Elsewhere in Delphine's, Mac tells Harry that he is opening a new studio and needs a business partner. Uh, Asks him to at least pay him a visit. They've got tons of land out there, and uh, it's a great scene. And Harry says, you know what, I might. Delphine, however, butts in to ask what they're talking about. Did Harry say he wanted to have sex with me? (laughs) Because I'm available. That was a pretty good Polly Walker. No, that was. Thank you. You're, you've been actually nailing pretty much. I'm nailing it. <laughs> you are. Uh, Delphine says Harry doesn't need to go to Hollywood because he has London. Harry says London doesn't seem to like him that much as the towering visage of Emmett Remus looms into the room. Uh, but Delphine says that London will turn around and they need him there. Uh, but then Emmett calls Harry aside and gives him Valerie's address and says that here's here's the address of that woman. She's jumpy as a rabbit. I wonder why that could be. He also said he left some of his people with her. Yeah. Like, the implication is that they, like, roughed her up already. Like, <laughs> right. That wasn't the... I, I know you didn't ask me to, but that's pretty much our standard procedure. Yeah, just rough them up. I also leaked some stories to the press about her. I hope <laughs> you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, great. Let's never talk again. <laughs> New Gordon uh, is walking toward the Selfridges entrance the following morning, but has to pause uh, by a pillar and be hungover. Uh, Miss Martle wishes him good morning, but clearly it's not so good for New Gordon. (laughs) Inside, he tries to hold it together at the tea emporium. Oh, man. This reminds me of the time (laughs) that you and I drank all of that, like, mint schnapps that your mom gave us for (laughs) Christmas for some reason. And I was, like, barfing up, like, green DeKuyper, DeCubers, mint schnapps, like, all day. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Thank God for Chick-fil-A's soup. That's all I can say. (laughs) At least we weren't working at the tea emporium. Oh, right? Yeah. Crabtree and Evelyn is practically the tea emporium, though, if you think about it. Fair enough. We did sell tea. <laughs> Fake Doris beckons him aside and says he looks awful. She offers him a cup of tea, which he looks around uh, before accepting, because apparently you're not allowed to drink tea in the tea emporium. Right. Well, I think he – I don't – you know, I'm guessing that employees are not permitted to eat or drink on the sales floor, oh, which okay. is still a pretty standard rule that there are great ways to avoid. If you want <laughs> tips, please email me. Uh, <laughs> Fake Doris thinks that it's worth a headache to smash up with Mabel Normand, but New Gordon found her better on screen than off. She's a bit over the top. Uh, really, he wants to just – Settle down with a nice girl from Wales. Uh, fake Doris says that he won't be a film star then, but he says, give me the tea and pour him at Selfridges any day. And then he heads off to serve some approaching tea enthusiasts, which is really the entire population of Britain. Well, that's a good point. In Harry's office, Crab has summoned the heads of departments saying that, uh, you know, they're down but not out. Uh, the sales figures are getting better but still low and we need to be united and loyal to Harry. Well, loyal to Mr. Selfridge. But Keebler says, even though he's never here. He's been back for like a day. <laughs> he was on government. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. Well, I mean, Keebler doesn't know. Keebler is so prediction calling it. Keebler gets fired. 
late in episode 10. Okay. I think that's one of the satisfying arcs of this season is the, you know, rise and fall of Keebler. <laughs> uh, Crab says that he is out on important business and Keebler imagines that it's to do with Monsieur Leclerc. Uh, who the charges against him have apparently been published in a newspaper, which he hands to Agnes in front of Fat Thomas. Kitty says that Mustache says that the article isn't true. I want to make one thing clear, though. She's not talking to him anymore. Like, they, she's not with him anymore. Right. She, she, he said it was like in the, like, it was like the town tattle. It's like a, a gossip column, basically. Mm. And so Kitty is just regurgitating all of this stuff. That he told her in the course of their relationship. Okay. She's, yeah. She's not like calling him up every day and saying, is this true? Is this true? You know I never sleep. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> uh, but everybody is shocked to hear Mustache's name mentioned. But Kitty says that she had nothing to do with the article and one of her girls might have to leave because of it. And Mustache is ruining people's lives and Grove says that perhaps she should have that, thought of that before she began consorting with him. But Martel interrupts and says that they should put that aside and reminds them what they just said about unity. Again, not her job <laughs> to stop a journalist from – she doesn't get paid enough for that. Right. Why do, real, real talk, why doesn't this store have a press agent? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. They fucking need one. Well, that's... I, I think it's because Harry thinks he can do it himself. Well, he can't. Yeah. As they all leave the office, uh, Agnes asks Fat Thomas if he thinks the article's true, but he says if it is, there's nothing they can do. And anyway, Agnes is worth a hundred on Rila Claire's. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, on Rila Claire's worth a hundred Fat Thomases. That's the equation you were going for. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Anyway, Agnes agrees that she is better than Monsieur Leclerc. <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, look, she's great in her own way, and she is better in a lot of respects. Yeah. I would put them on equal footing. All right. Anyway, Fat Thomas is troubled. He appears to be revving back into spitting mad weasel mode. <laughs> it's like you thought it was gone, but that was just on hold. Yeah. In the embassy, Monsieur Leclerc is showed in and sees Harry, who is there with... Valerie. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, and it is Valerie from before. She looks so different. Right. It's her hair. She's doing that horrible thing that everyone's doing. Oh yeah. Um anyway, but it is the same actress. Yeah. In case you were concerned as I was. Yeah. Her uh, IMDb profile picture is of her wearing a bizarre sweater. <laughs> it's very French. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like Charlotte Gainsbourg called and says you're never going to be her. So <laughs> Uh, so we jump cut to Valerie uh, explaining how her new boyfriend at the company who was named Morgan was jealous of Leclerc, uh, that she chose Morgan over Leclerc because he was like higher up in the company and now she regrets it. This is a bit much because she's clearly like apologizing to Leclerc in the context of what is a very serious like government investigation. Right. But I mean that's, you know, that's standard. Look, it's New York D DA, that's standard like law and order. Yeah, that's true. goings on. Uh so the DA again asks where the money went and why Monsieur Leclerc and why Monsieur Leclerc fled the country. Valerie says that she told him to on Morgan's advice, only later did she realize that it had been a trick on Morgan's 
behalf to make them suspect Mr. LeClaire. Uh, and it was Morgan that took the money. She has proof, bank statements that match the amounts that were stolen. Also, wouldn't where Monsieur LeClaire had been living been evidence enough? Like, can they not get that stick-poking kid in there? <laughs> I've missed you, monsieur. <laughs> yeah, he's got no money. I only poke poor people. <laughs> not an idiot. <laughs> Oh, man. Also, why Valerie has concealed this information up until now right. is unclear. Very unclear. Because, like, where's this Morgan character now? Right. Where did he is, go? Was, is she still with him? Because it was implied that she had come to London with him. And also, uh, aren't you, like, an accomplice to this robbery? <laughs> right. It's all my fault. I aided and embedded this embezzlement. Right? Anyway, yeah. I don't know how embezzlement works, but it seems like she ought to be doing some time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the guy that's at the embassy says that she has done Monsieur Leclerc a great disservice. Boy, they capriciously have decided that this is the truth. Yeah. As quickly as they decided to just <laughs> lock him up. Well, this, you know, this very emotional French woman says it's true. It must be. Yeah. Well, she does have proof, supposedly. Well, not with her. Well, I know, but they're going to look it up. All right, fine. I assume. Well, I assume they're going to try and arrest Morgan at this point. One would think. I would hope so. They're like, nah, we really only wanted to arrest the French guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other guy's American? (laughs) Clearly had all of our best interests at heart. (laughs) That's not in our remit. (laughs) Um, Harry asks the embassy guy, who is, in fact, the ambassador... Uh, which at the time would have been Walter Hines Page. And uh, actually, it turns out the actor playing him looks pretty much like him. I like the very random, <laughs> like, attention to detail on this show. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, I think, you know, there's more opportunity than there is. You know, it is in that sense much like Mad Men because mm-hmm. they do deal a lot with, like, actual historical events that have happened. Whereas, you know, Downton Abbey is kind of off in this, like, La La Land, Yorkshire bubble yeah but no i mean i do appreciate it i mean it compared to i was just for some reason yesterday i was randomly thinking about titanic blood and steel and how like that ship was like wrecked on the wrong side of the ship and all that <laughs> stuff but it was just so easy to fix you know it's nice when they take the thanks time. serbia <laughs> uh so harry asks if leclerc can come back to work if he promises not to leave the country and the ambassador is like yeah all right so as they all head out, Leclerc is thanking Harry, and he says, I was only in London to find Valerie, but then I couldn't down your offer of friendship and work. And I'm like, that is a weird thing to say. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it was tempting. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, whatever. I'm glad this plot line is wrapped up. I was just planning to starve to death and die in Valerie's arms. <laughs> and sing that song from Les Miserables. <laughs> Uh, you know the one I mean. <laughs> Harry says, uh, you know, now it's all over, but Leclerc says that Harry's in trouble because of him. But Harry's like, no, 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 no. I'm in trouble because Lord Loxley's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go, you know, put a burning bag of dog poo on his <laughs> steps. Leclerc says, uh, P.S., once I'm allowed to leave the country, I am going to go fight for France. And I'm like, no, you're too handsome. <laughs> uh, but then, until then, he'll help Harry make Selfridges the most talked about store in London again. And Harry's glad, and they shake hands. Uh, Valerie has been waiting at a respectful distance, uh, which Monsieur Leclerc would not have done in his insanity. Yeah. 
Uh, but as Harry leaves, she comes up to Mr. Leclerc and says in French that she meant it when she said she made the re- the wrong choice. But Leclerc says that there's no chance. Valerie asks if he's fallen in love with anyone else. And he says yes. And it's taken all of this to make him realize it. He thanks her and she heads off uh, to nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, just for the final record, why was Valerie treated this way by this series? Like, it's just I, awful. I don't know. Like, like remember... Ladies and gentlemen, do stalk your ex-girlfriends. It may get you out of jail. Yeah. (laughs) Good good call. Also, uh, you know, don't try to, like, be upwardly mobile. Yeah. Don't, uh, you know, oh, you're, you know... Your new woman fashions are going to backfire on you, <laughs> even if you did kind of look like Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Also, your ex-girlfriend probably does secretly wish she was still yeah, with you. Yeah, she probably does want you back. Yeah. Like, she definitely hasn't, like, moved on or, right. like, wanted anything else. Yeah. Uh, no, you came up with a theory that he only can fall in love with women who are with another man. Oh, right. Because of <laughs> his, his new love now. Is literally engaged like she was just shacking up with this guy right agnes is like no i want you know a family and (laughs) a house and you know like a tea cozy just no you don't yes (laughs) i I, I do Henri. (laughs) we haven't even gotten to that scene yet yeah yeah (laughs) i could do that all day (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna change my name to <laughs> kelly agnes towler anakin <laughs> kelly agnikin oh <gasps> <Ooh>. portmanteaus <laughs> so the heads of department are gathering for yet another meeting god you know this is what happens when your company gets big you just spend all your time in meetings about the other meetings that you have. <laughs> yeah so wonders what this new meeting is about abakitty doesn't know but wants to thank her for supporting her in the previous meeting she says that she's not always the first to stand up for people, and she would like to try to change that. And Martle says, that will be interesting. Yeah, because Miss Martle's like, you just have a shiny new toy, and you're going to, like, yeah. let go of this immediately. <laughs> but Harry walks in with Monsieur Leclerc to everybody's delight. Well, almost everybody. Yeah, Keebler looks a little bit put out. As does Fat Thomas. Oh, right. Spitting mad weasel time. Yeah. Spitting mad weasel time. Yeah. Uh, so Leclerc thanks Harry for all his hard work, and Agnes. No, Agnes is like, oh, I was just doing this to take my mind off George, and <laughs> I didn't think anything would happen, and <laughs> now I've got a lot to think about. <laughs> uh, Leclerc returns to his lair. Yes, memorial, no more. <laughs> uh, he he goes back with Agnes, saying uh, he got her letter and it gave him hope. Agnes asks if Harry found Valerie. He says yes, and he thanks her. She is avoiding eye contact because, oh, look. Because she knows. you. We can all see what's coming here. Hello, my lady. <laughs> he says that he always thought of her as an ingenue, as his protege. His je ne sais quoi, his fleur de lis, his bouillabaisse. Yeah, he's just using all the French <laughs> words he knows right now, which are considerable. <laughs> she says that she was when he met her, and he's taught her so much, but he then interrupts to say that she taught herself and always understood more than him, which I don't think is true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he comes around the desk toward her in a romantic frenzy. <laughs> Like, I mean, there's nothing untoward about it. It's right. just like, oh, buddy, come yeah. on. Have some dignity and self-respect. Yeah, she's doing her best to say no without saying no, yeah. but you're making her. So she interrupts him, and she says, as a friend, she's glad that he's all right. 
Not to take it any further, as soon as George gets back, she's marrying Fat Thomas. So if your brother is dead, I have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Again! Why do they have to make the most attractive character embody all of the worst... He's like the worst man, you know? It's because he's so attractive, he's never had to learn. Oh, yeah, like John Hamm on 30 Rock. Mm -hmm. Cousin Jonathan, you didn't know (laughs) what your telegram would ring? Is that the present of rot? Uh, would reek... I think, as in wreaking havoc. Okay. Well, I don't like any of these options, so let's move on. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, she says that Tony Corleano, I'm sorry that I'm calling him by his real name, uh, he's the right man for her and always has been. And as if on cue, (laughs) Fat Thomas strolls in, says, hey, Don Ree, Agnes. Agnes says she was just telling him about their engagement, and Fat Thomas bet she was. Uh, Henri compliments the ring and leaves. Yeah. Which is the first good decision he's made since he got back to his lair. Yeah. It's like, well, I look forward to sharing an office with you for the next 20 years. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, he is going to France to fight. Oh, that's right. I Okay. Because I assume he was a real person, or at least modeled on a real person. Okay. And he is going to go fight for France, I bet. Will they kill the most attractive man on Mr. Selfridge? It's a question, and it's hard to say. Um, I hope not. You know, so far they've only been willing to kill uh, Hardy and half-kill George. (laughs) You know, which isn't – that's not a lot of narrative weight on those characters. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to say. It is hard to say. There's only two episodes left, mm-hmm. but many years of this war. Right. <laughs> like, they're just getting started. Uh, so at dinner at Selfridge House, Henry drinks to the family and thanks them once again. Uh, Rose says, speaking of family, she was thinking of bringing the girls and Harry's mom over. And we're like, yay. Yeah, I'm excited, but she's like, you know, in difficult times, families really ought to be together. <laughs> and I'm like... This country is at war. Like, I am not sure this is a wise choice, but (laughs) whatever. Yeah. We just want to see Beatrice again. Oh, my God. What do you think she looks like? I don't know. What if they all aged up? (laughs) But she's just like that girl from that movie. Uh, God. uh, Orphan? Or something oh, yeah, where it yeah. was like she was really like a 43-year-old lady who like right. scammed people into adopting her and she tried to have sex with Peter Sarsgaard like everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please let this be what has happened. She looks just like her, her portrait. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we'll see you soon enough, because both Harry and New Gordon like the idea, and Rose will write to them tomorrow. Fraser says that there is a visitor there for Harry. He's got the biggest grin on his face. Yeah. So Harry goes to the front hall, and it's Max Sennett, who's, I mean, I guess a reasonably famous person, but I don't, like... I guess Fraser also goes to the pictures. I guess so. But Mac says that they are going to be heading back to America at the end of the week and wants to know if Harry is considered his offer. And Harry says... I'm a merchant, not a movie man. That's exactly My name is Horace Spenbridge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although he also adds that Delphine is right, which is not a good sign. Nope. Uh, Mac agrees that Delphine is a smart and savvy businesswoman. Harry says that Mac is a breath of fresh air, and Mac wishes him luck and heads out. Saying, nice house on the way. It is a nice house. It is very It's nice. a pretty dope house. Yeah. The tile work in particular yeah. is just really on point. Mac, by the way, had a fairly non-egregious 
accent. And you know what? He was actually pretty great. Yeah. We do have to say, yeah. as accents go, yeah. you know, he made his, his overzealousness work for the accent mm-hmm. and, you know, it wasn't all in the accent. So yeah. well done, Max Sennett playing guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, Harry has a bit of voiceover as we see Delphine turning out the lights in her office and he is saying that the simplest solution is the one staring you right in the face. And I am not sure what that solution is. Agreed. Uh, and he doesn't bother to tell us. <laughs> or Rose, who he's hanging out with in the Selfridge bedroom. Uh, she asks what he means, but he says that he needs to remind people that Selfridge is about escape and dreams. I'm like, that seems like less of a solution and more of a concept. Right. Like, he then adds. Flesh that out. Yeah. He adds that Delphine and he really see eye to eye and Rose is like, uh, yeah. And he's like, yep. Uh, I think she can help me. And thanks for bringing her into our lives. And, uh, Rose is snuggled up next to him and she is probably not going to be sleeping much tonight. <laughs> no. Just like, oh, this probably isn't a good time to tell you that I think she's trying to sleep with you. <laughs> and also has like really been a bitch to me. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we're poised for some interesting things to go down. I mean, what's going to be happening with this love triangle with Fat Thomas and Miss Towler and Mr. LeClaire? Yeah. If anything, uh, what about that picture of George Towler? Is right. it like the picture of Dorian's face? <laughs> Who can say? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, but yeah, we're. Will Delphine's plan. She does not seem like his type. No, she doesn't. He not only likes to sleep with dumbos. Yeah. Which is a dummy who's also a bimbo. <laughs> um, and an elephant who can fly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Ma and the girls coming back over. That's great. We're all yeah. excited about that. That should be a good time. Uh, Kitty, will she ever go to sleep? Doubtful. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Feeling, feeling like that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, will fake Doris and new Gordon ever make out? Yeah. Cause I still that, can't figure out if she likes him. Right. No, Cause I think it's pretty clear that he likes her. Yeah. But she's, I, I mean, it seems like it's going that way. Yeah. So I don't know. It's we'll hard to see. say, but she seems pretty like independent minded, you know? Yeah. Well, and like, she's mindful of the fact, like, you know, dating the boss's son. Right. Like, and if that goes badly, right. You know? Yeah. Whales didn't raise no fools. <laughs> At any rate, uh, this has been fun. Yeah, yes. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have making it. <laughs> but until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out.